Hello, and welcome to episode 128 of the Casual Try Hard Podcast. I'm Brian. And I'm James. And we're picking up where we left off. So we finished uh, the pros and cons of uh, different ways to play Magic. And Mm -hmm. now we're moving on to kind of how to get from Arena and like digital Magic to Paper Magic. Yeah. So if you have any questions that we don't address... Feel free to tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Yep. You can also hit us up on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can drop us an email, show at Casual Tryhard MTG.com. I am going to remind you that uh, Modern Horizons 2 just came out, and single prices are all over the place. Um, there's some stuff you can get decent deals on, there's some stuff that re- seems really absurdly overpriced. So buyer beware. Um, I don't know where the prices are going to go from here, but if you're looking to pick up any any singles from the latest set, please use our TCG player affiliate link, tcg.casualtryhardmtg.com. Anything you purchase after following that link, uh, we'll get a small percentage of to help pay our hosting fees and help keep the show going. If you guys want to support us a little bit more directly, you can do so at patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Patrons get access to our show notes before the show goes live. So you got a little visual reference to follow along with us. You also get a sneak peek of what's coming up in the show. Patrons also get access to our pre-show. Now, this series that we're doing now, the like playing in paper guide, is probably going to take us most of the summer. Um, we are going to take a break to do Adventures in Forgotten Realms uh, set review episode. But we aren't going to do like our normal, you know, sprinkling in um, spoilers, I don't think. So if you guys want access to that kind of stuff as the spoilers go on, that is stuff that we will probably cover in our pre-show. So if you want to hop over to patreon.com slash casual MTG, throw a couple bucks in the pot, you'll get access to like basically a whole nother podcast. We usually record for about an hour, hour and a half before we start recording the show. And I'm going to warn you, like that content is not edited. We just throw it up live. So there's, you know, basically just Brian and myself shooting the shit, talking, trying to catch up before the show starts. So it's, it's a little raw and the audio quality might not be as good. Um, but it is extra content. And like I said, we're probably going to have to trim some of the stuff that we normally do from our uh, like traditional schedule uh, just to fit in all this learn to play stuff. So some of that stuff might end up in the pre-show. So if you want to hear that, head over to patreon.com, um, casual tryhard MTG, and throw a couple bucks in to get access to our pre-show. Uh, we also have a YouTube channel, casual tryhard MTG on YouTube. I'll probably be doing box openings for Adventures in Forgotten Realms. Um, I'm sure Brian's going to be doing some limited content like he normally does, record some of his drafts on Arena and throw them up there. We are still working on some other content. Um, I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but we are working on it, so stay tuned for that. And we have our Discord. Discord's another great way to get a hold of us. Uh, Let us know if there's something in particular you want covered or something that you wish somebody had told you when you started playing in paper. Hop on over to Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on all our social media. And let us know what you think. All right. So real quick, this this might be pre-show content, but here we go. Okay. 
Um, so James has done all this legwork to do this at special content. And yeah. uh, Brian is a useless husk as a former himself who's super tired all the time now. Oh, um, no, you're so, fine, man. And so, <laughs> okay. But so today I had talked to a roofing guy. If you've been following the pre-show, you know about the roof fiasco. And mm-hmm. talked to him. And then I texted him like five minutes later. And I was like, hey, what was I supposed to do again? I totally zoned. I blame my baby. Um, <laughs> so we haven't got this cool extra stuff yet because of baby. Just baby. So tired. <laughs> I don't know why. But yeah, so James, James is doing his best. I'm I'm, I'm dragging him down. But we're going to get there. When Gavin turns 21, it'll be great. Uh, <laughs> you're fine, great. man. I, I didn't mean to throw you under no, the bus. No, you're not that wasn't me under my the bus. intent. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was not, not upset at all, but I was just like, this reminds me of totally zoning out talking to that dude today. Okay, <laughs> it's the baby's fault. It's always the baby's fault. It's not just the baby. You've been you've had a crazy year and a half, two years with work too. So yeah, I, I have, I have. All right. Yeah. So we left off last time. We had talked about all the pros and cons of the different ways to play Magic, and kind of rattled off all the different ways, whether yeah. it was you know in paper or on Arena or Magic Online. Or some of the third-party clients. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, re- real quick, there's there's a postscript. Real quick. Um, uh, per, uh, competitive magic is currently on fire. Kind of how it's been mm-hmm. like the for the last like year, but right. like it seems like the fire is bigger now. Yes. Um. So that that's a knock on on paper. And uh, remember how we said, "Yo, man." Get a cool rental service on Magic Online. Yeah, those don't work anymore. Magic Hori- yeah. uh, Modern Horizons has made it so no one can get the cards, not even the yeah. giant bots. So yeah, they're like, turns yeah, out we- when the Chase Mythics are a hundred dollars a piece, then the bots can't can't even afford to get them. Yeah, and so they're like, mm, yeah, we're not going to let anyone new use our program, uh, use our system, because uh, yeah, we can't support who we have right now. Right. So. Some things have changed in the last week. Um, But with that said, we want to get you from like playing arena Mm -hmm. to playing in paper, you know, preferably like at your local game store where you can like make new friends. Or if you don't want to make new friends, you can be one of those mythical kitchen table players and invite your friends (laughs) to your house. Yeah. But like, to get the thing that all the things, all the versions of magic other than paper lack, which is the like social interaction. Yeah. Yeah. The interaction. So we want to like give you some tips, give you some things to think about Mm -hmm. uh, making that transition. So you can like interact with people confidently and be Mm -hmm. like, yo, I know what's up. That's right. I listen to casual tryhard MTG podcast. Yeah. You should too. There we go. Boom. Uh, that's, that's what you tell your friend when you invite him over to the kitchen table. You just play the podcast right. for him. Like, yep. aren't these guys entertaining and sexy? I was like, oh, Ooh, I can okay. tell by their voices. Yeah, by their voices. Um, all right. So we're gonna talk about how to transition. So there's the first thing is something that is kind of a magic arena program thing, and right. that is the difference between like playing best of one. And playing paper magic. It is a best of one thing specifically. So what right. is that? 
And it's not just a difference between like best of one and best of three, even though like it exists there also, but it's like specifically best of one to paper magic. I know like when they were messing around with kind of the formats for arena for at least a little while, wizards was trying to push best of one in paper magic as well. And it did not take off. So I don't know if there's still, you know, isolated pockets where people do play best of one paper magic, but for the most part, all paper magic is best of three. And what we're referring to is the hand smoothing algorithm where is it, when you draw or when arena draws your opening hand for a best of one game, it draws two hands or is it three hands? I don't know. It is two or three, but I don't know the exact number. Yeah. And then it will pick one of those hands for you. The one that has the best like land to spell ratio. And then give you that as your option for like to mulligan. So you can afford to go a little bit lighter on your land counts in best of one, especially for aggro decks um, on arena because it's going to feed you a couple more lands to start with. Whereas like in paper magic, you're reliant like totally on your shuffling skill and there is no like hand smoothing in you shuffling your cards, or at least there better not be. Yeah. Uh, relying on your shuffling skill sounds like uh, you're stacking your deck. <laughs> yeah, do you remember? <laughs> yeah, that? don't remember, do that. Remember the movie Rounders? Yeah, where Edward Norton's character has the mechanic script, where he uh-huh. holds the deck in a certain way so he can like deal off the bottom. Yeah, yeah, that's your shuffling skill. Don't do that. <laughs> um, but so there was a stretch on Arena maybe a year ago, maybe a little bit longer, where like there was uh, a player. It was in High Mythic. It was playing like a 14 land, like mono red aggro deck. Yeah, there was like all one drops and he never wanted his third land. Yeah. I mean, even now the um, like the Wayward Guide Beast, mm-hmm. like those decks where they play hardly any lands and they just kind of like recycle the same land over and over and over again to get two mana. Right. Yeah. Those decks don't work in like best of three or like real physical magic because you have too many hands that just have no lands back when playing in person and playing on arena was a thing. Right. Mm -hmm. I vividly remember going to like the LGS and people going like, I don't understand. This is the number of lands I play on arena and it works out fine. And it's like, yeah, no, you can't play a 17 land aggro deck in standard. Right. right, it just doesn't work. You're never going to see enough lands. Yeah, because right? you. you I mean, see... the, the only way you can get away with that is like if you're playing like a Xerox deck, right? If you're playing Legacy yeah. with like twelve cantrips. Yeah, you know, on Arena Best of One, you were going to see way more two land hands than you're supposed to. Yeah. Right, and like those decks, hey, a two land hand is great. Right, mm-hmm. I get to cast all of my spells. I can double spell like every turn. Yeah. Where in reality, you see a lot of zeros and ones. And then yep. you just have to send them back and you just mulligan into like oblivion. So you do have to, if you're used to playing best of one, your land counts need to be higher. If you're like, uh, you know, if you're in a, playing an aggressive red deck that you want to transition into paper, mm-hmm. in standard, it probably needs to play 20 or 21 lands. 
Yeah, I mean, like the absolute minimum you probably want to go for a standard deck in paper is going to be, I mean, I, I would probably say 21. I think 20 is probably even light. Yeah, like Modern Burn plays 19 or 20. Yeah, yeah, but and, Modern Burn also doesn't have three drops. Yes, I should say that, but it's all ones and twos. Yeah. Right? Like in Standard, you are going to have to play like, you know, your your 3-2 Red Haste Nerd. Yeah, I mean, like typically the the mono red decks in standard have even have played like two four drops, like just something in case the game goes long, they'll play two four drops. Yeah, and like so, then you're probably at twenty two, twenty three lands if you have like two four if you have the four drops in your deck, you go up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then like mid range decks, you're like twenty four to probably twenty six, twenty seven lands. Yeah, depending on the deck. Depending on the deck and like. If they're cycling lands that you could like throw away later in the game or something. Right. Or right. if they're MDFCs or something. Yeah. But like you want to be mid 20s and then mm-hmm. control decks are like probably 26 to 29. Yeah. Somewhere in there. Because they never want to miss a land drop. And right. then they're going to have card draw that once they hit their land drops, they can draw into gas. Yep. Right. So. You know, that's going to be different than if you're used to playing best of one where you might only play like 24 lands in your control deck because you're just going to hit all your land drops. Right. There's a there's one there's one more thing about best of one that I want to mention that I forgot to put in the show notes here. Okay. And that's that like your best of one deck might not be a best of three deck. This is Um, very true. We've mentioned on the show a couple times like your Sung of Creation deck. Yeah. And um, your Neoform deck and the Storm Herald deck are probably not good decks to bring to FNM because they're easily hated out. They like they can be. Yeah, I I think that like decks that are all in on a thing in your sideboarding either account for how to address the sideboard hate mm-hmm. or give yourself a B plan. Right. Right, like you know, be a bad beatdown deck, become like a bad mid-range deck or something, right? Mm-hmm. The the decks that you see a lot in best of one that are like, you know, in historic, that are like, hey, Faithless Looting, I'm going to try to win the game on like turn four with my, you know, Nidit's Mastery, blah, blah, blah stuff, right? Those yeah. decks work really well in best of one because your opponent might not know what you're doing or might not right. know what they have to keep. Yeah. Right. But in best of three, they're like, oh, like I'm going to keep a hand that has a rest in peace or right. I'm going to keep a hand that has a counter spell. Mm-hmm. Or I'm going to keep a hand that has a cling to dust or something. Yeah. Right. Like they, they Some have, sort of interaction. Yeah. They have more information. So, you know, I, I did mention like a historic deck and cards that are nowhere near being like legal in a format you would play in paper. Right. But like decks that all that are all in on a thing that you've not had to worry about. Like, Oh, what if someone has like six hate cards in their main deck? They don't. Right. But post board, they will. Mm-hmm. If that deck is like, you know, reasonable, yep. you know, and if it's really, really good, see Hogak, they'll put their hate cards in their main deck. <laughs> yeah. Right. So just be mindful that, yeah, like your, your linear deck mm-hmm. might not be, have enough flexibility in its game plan to like hold up to sideboarding 
Right. And, and an- sideboarding something that we are going to talk about a little bit more in depth in the future. Um, I think the first few episodes for this series are going to be more like general outside of the game stuff. And then we'll get into more like internal strategy inside the game stuff. Yeah. I will say that if you go, it hasn't happened for a while because no one cares about standard, but there was a stretch where Saffron Olive did a, a meme or dream. Mm-hmm. And he would like just pick decks that look like ridiculous that like uh wizard said went five Oh and yeah. on the, on the ladder. And, um, like a lot of times they had no sideboards and it was always just like putting 15 semi random cards <laughs> in your sideboard is better than having no sideboard. So if you right. are like, you know what? I had this best of one deck. I want to play it. Like just take like five minutes and go like, what are the cards I'm scared of? What are the right. decks that I think are good and put cards in for those matchups in your deck will be infinitely better than if you just showed up with your 60 right and right. did no sideboarding yeah so like not even talking about like how to sideboard just make sure you have one mm-hmm. right this is another thing that has definitely changed since we started uh yeah i thought it would be interesting to talk about because it's it's right. different than what it used to be so we had talked about using arena as like a cheap place to like test decks Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, maybe that could still work on uh, for like standard decks, but yeah. like maybe. And uh, that's if like you've been playing for, you know, you know, basically, if you think about like if you go back to the game store this fall, mm-hmm. right? If you've been playing since last fall, right? And you've played a lot of the 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 standard formats then you have enough cards that you can like kind of like have a full ish standard mm-hmm. right but like you can't use it's not as cheap as it was it doesn't feel like so not just that i don't know how much standard is going to get played in game stores that is another thing right like we talked about this like if you want to play standard Right, it's just way more efficient to play standard with no pants on, right? At your at your house, right? Like, think about how many games or matches you can get in versus like a Friday Night Magic, because like you would go to like F and M, right? Mm-hmm. And thinking about what that was like years ago yeah. now, but like you'd show up at seven, and you would get four rounds in, and you'd be done by ten thirty or eleven. Yep. Right. Whereas if you sat down at seven and was like, I'm going to play best of three matches on arena. Well, just, just say you're going to do a best of three challenge. Yeah. Like that's not going like to take you like, five, it, was it five, five rounds or whatever to, yeah, to go five. Oh, that's like what? Probably an hour and a half, two hours max. Yeah. Two hours tops. Right. So like you basically get twice as many games in. Right. Right. And another thing is like with the fact that now there's three different types of pack for every Mm -hmm. set and there's three different types of like two or three different versions of every rare. Yeah. Standard is significantly cheaper than it has been. It is. So like, you know, cards are now 
you know, a lot of rares are like a buck or yeah. two dollars, even ones that get played. Because, right. Oh, I, I want the ordered, fancy uh, edition. I just ordered foil elite spellbinders from Strixhaven for three dollars a piece, and that card sees play in every format right now. Every format, and the foils are three dollars a piece. I uh, went from I hate this card; it's super dumb. To I just kind of gave up and was like, "Fine, I guess I have to play it," mm-hmm. because like it's really good. It's really good. But it's yeah, like I think I bought regular ones for like two dollars, and yep. it's just like oh, like cards that like are standard playable aren't like holding their value, right? Because there's just so many versions now. Yep. So like it might not be there might not be as big a delta between like arena and paper now. Yeah. Particularly if you want to um, build like a deck or two. Right. Where you can just target the cards you want. Yep. We're gonna talk about this a little bit more in a little bit, maybe like ten or fifteen minutes or so, but I think that like stores are gonna be in kind of an awkward spot while they're like rebooting. I think a lot of the players that had been like habitually coming around like for FNMs or like Tuesday Modern or Wednesday Pioneer or whatever have found other things to do in the meantime. And I know we've talked in the past about how I think you I think you mentioned a piece Sully quote all the time about how magic doesn't just compete with like, you know, other formats or other games. It competes with basically everything else you can do with your free time whether that's going to a bar, going to a movie, going bowling, going to a baseball game, you know, whatever. And like one of the things that Magic did really well was building a habit where they gave you FNMs to go to. So you knew like every Friday night, I'm going to go down to the game store. I'm going to play, you know, four rounds of standard and then, you know, hang out with my buddies for a little bit and then head home and, you know, I'll be in bed by 1130 or whatever. And we've now had a year and a half of that not happening. So it's going to be hard to, like, if you're talking about the same pool of players, I think it's going to be difficult to bring those players back out. And because of that, I think it's going to be difficult to get everybody to agree on one format to play while also, like, you know, bringing new players in and teaching new people how things work. That's one of the reasons why we're doing this series. But I think because of that, you might have a hard time getting standard because, you know, people have been playing standard. Like that's the only format people have been able to play for a long time now. And especially coming off of Modern Horizons, I don't know if people are going to want to play standard. So in addition to that, even if those players do want to come back, how many of them stopped buying cards? Yeah, I'm sure right. a lot. Right, so even if you can, like, get people to agree on a format, how many people are going to have, like, a deck for that format? Mm-hmm. How many people are going to have, like, all the cards or, or whatever? You know, if you know the person well enough, like, be willing to, like, loan them some cards. I think that this is, you know, run some, like, sanctioned, you can't see me doing air quotes, but sanctioned, tournaments and like let people proxy stuff because like oh yeah. hey i've got you know half of this food deck right but you know i have i don't have this card or this card because it's from yeah. you know a set i was you know i guess like i is a good example like oh hey mm-hmm. 
like I didn't buy an Ikoria because things shut down. Right. And like, I can't find a Loris. Let me just, let right. me just proxy a Loris or like loan them your Loris. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, basically anything from Ikoria to like Strixhaven. Right? Keldheim or Strixhaven, yeah. right? No. Where like, yeah. I guess Keldheim's most likely, right? Because Strixhaven things are starting to open back up. Like, ooh, maybe yeah. I should get some stuff. But like, yeah, like, oh, hey, I, I don't have like Elvish Warmasters. Mm-hmm. And my game store didn't open any. Right. Or my game store isn't like there's a new game store because my old game store didn't make it. Yeah. Or, you know, even now, like, you know, our our game store has doesn't have like hasn't opened any Modern Horizons too. Right. So like if they were planning to come down and like put together food by like buying stuff from the game store and yeah, they good you luck. know like yeah, like we talked about, like, oh hey, yeah, like I'm not gonna you know uh, you know, for whatever reason, we're not opening packs or we didn't get enough product yeah. to be able to open packs. Let them like write Asmo on a card and then mm-hmm. be like, cool, this is my Asma the, 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 the guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. As Miranda Mardekeist and Nikulda car. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I think, yeah. I think, I think that's it. It yeah. was close if that wasn't it. Hey, it was close enough. Better than the. Yeah. But. Yeah, like be a little leaning on that stuff because it is going to be hard to get people to show up. And again, this is why like I've talked more about Popper recently, right? Like yep. that's a relatively cheap format. Also, like James has worked on proxy- proxying some older decks. Like if you know, if we have like a if we do like a Popper night, I'll probably just like try to build three or four decks. Yeah, and just be like, okay, here, play this. Right, here are some options for you. Because some yep. people just aren't going to have access to the cards. Yep. So uh, the whole next section of the show is this kind of stuff. So let's finish this section out, and then we'll get back into it. Yeah. All right. So then I still kind of stand by this, which is like, don't chase the metagame. Yeah. You're going to be better off in the long run, especially if you're either newer to magic in general or newer to paper magic. By just picking a deck and practicing with it and getting good than trying to always play like whatever the best deck in the format is. Yeah. Especially like in standard, like there's definitely like in churn Mm -hmm. one that churn can get expensive if you're like constantly trying to chase it. And like most of us don't have the ability to, you know, play 10 plus hours of magic a day to get the reps in. Right, you'll be better served if over the course of a standard you just, you know, get good with the deck and learn like oh, deck A is really looks like it's going to be really popular this week. These are the four cards I should put in my sideboard or these are the yeah. four cards I should change in my main deck to help mm-hmm. me target that. Cuz what ends up happening a lot of times in standard is like you might have it's like rock paper scissors. Yeah. One week might be all rock. And then all the scissors get smashed and there wasn't very much paper. Yep. Right. And then the next week, everyone plays paper. Yep. And the person who like, you know. Stuck with scissors gets rewarded. Gets rewarded. Right. But like the rock, the rock person can be like, hey, I think there's gonna be a lot of paper this week. I'm going to change these six cards in my deck that make me way better against paper. Yep. Right. And you can get those small edges. And it also comes down to like your play style. If you're like an aggro mm-hmm. player, 
like you don't want to be like oh man like mono red is my favorite kind of deck to play but i think this week control is going to be good it's like well no like yeah. you you you're an aggro person you can branch out if you want but like stick yeah. with what was going to make you happy and what you're going to enjoy yeah it's tough it, yeah. It, to especially like that kind of change is tough to make yeah you know like you know like a mid like if you're a mid-rangey player maybe you can go one way or the other but like mm -hmm. if there's a cool combo deck that like doesn't pop up much in standard and you're a combo player like hey like ride that thing because there might not be a like reasonable <laughs> combo deck in standard for like two years yeah so, grab hey, the reins while you can yeah do what you what is it, make hay while the sun shines kind of deal that's right, right. but yeah, like, but every week trying to chase stuff, like, one, it just ends up being expensive, and two, you just don't get enough reps to be proficient. So you might be playing the best deck, right? An A-plus deck at, like, a C-plus level. Yeah, where you depend better off playing your B deck at a B level. Yeah, or a B deck at an A level, and you can, like, eke out yeah. those wins against the people that are trying to chase the best deck. So, mm -hmm. like, for a from a cost point of view, and just, like, you know, a skill and understanding point of view just being able to stick with a deck for a while is is probably for the best yeah and that's also a habit that people are going to have to break too because it's so easy with arena to like flip flop between decks like i know personally you know i've sat down to you know grind my wins out on the ladder or whatever and you know started and played you know control three games in a row so I switched to an aggro deck instead of the mid range deck that I was playing. Yeah. And like, it's just, you get, you get into that habit so much easier on arena of just, you know, changing your deck on the fly. Whereas it's a little bit harder to do in paper. It is. There's sitting and sleeving and sigh. Yeah. Sorting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, yeah. And just, you know, there's no way, unfortunately to turn your digital arena cards into paper cards. So yeah. just, you know, be mindful what your collection is. I know on more than one occasion, again, back in the before times, I'd be like, oh, I totally have four of fill in the blank card. And then mm -hmm. I would go look and I would not. I had four in arena. Right. right? <laughs> you just got so, you playing the deck on arena and you assumed that you built it in paper too. It's like, oh yeah, I totally have those. No, I don't have those. Yeah. Right. So, you know, just make sure you keep like your, your card straight and know what you have. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a very small return on investment on Arena. Like some right. would say by very small, we mean zero. Right. It's zero. Right. Like you get some enjoyment out of it, but, you know, it's not like you can, you know, there's not like a wizard's bot that you can sell your Arena cards to. They didn't even let you dust them. Right. Yeah. I mean, at least on Arena, you could, you know, cash them in for something. Or yeah. not, not arena on Magic Online. You could yeah. cash them in for something, even if it wasn't much. You you could get something out of them, but not so much on Arena. Yeah. So this and, was from this was something we talked about like years ago now. Yeah. And it seems like now, like we said last week, the the cottage industry of like the arena economy is bad. Like yeah. I, f I feel like we were on this train pretty early on, <laughs> and yeah. and a lot of people have jumped on. Not realizing that we started the train, but that's all right. That's all right. That's all right. One day they'll see. They'll see. But that's yeah. right. With all the rest of you guys, you guys already know. You guys know, but yeah, we. But like, it is. It does kind of suck. That there's no way that you can be like, I've been playing arena for the last like year and a half. Now right. I want to go play in paper 
And it's like, yeah, you got to go get those cards again. But hopefully you know, like, exactly what kind of deck you like to play. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, uh, or the exact deck you want to play for the next few months. Right. And you can just, like, go get that deck or get, you know, a reasonable facsimile where you're like, you know what, I want to, I'm only going to spend, like, $100 because I'm going to get, like, six FNMs out of this deck. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like, if you're cool, if that's cool, like, go for it. But yeah, like you, at least from arena have the ability to know what you want to play. Yeah. So, all right. Where can we go to play? We've already established everyone plays on their kitchen table. That's, that's what we all do. <laughs> that's the future of magic is kitchen tables. Well, but hopefully we can get some people out to your local game store. Hopefully. Hopefully. Meet, meet that's the goal. Like, that's my meet goal. Some like-minded people yeah wizards on their website has a store locator so let me take a step back the wpn is what um like controls the game store side of like magic you have to be a wpn like verified registered store to hold events get some of the exclusive products or get products timely and wizards does that so that they can try and make the game accessible for people. If you go to uh, locator.wizards.com and plug in your zip code, it should bring up a whole, like whatever game stores are local to your area that have events scheduled. And it'll tell you like what events are on what nights for like all the different game stores around you. So whenever, whenever a store like schedules a sanctioned event, um, it should pop up there. And that's a good good way to figure out like where you can actually play. I know some of the more rural areas um, like might not have, you know, a game store that's readily accessible. You might have to drive a little bit. This is how you would figure out where you have to go. Or like some big cities might have, you know, a whole bunch of them super close to you. This would be a way for you to figure out what the best one is. Yeah. So I talked to, um, again, Anthony and Mm -hmm. he, Ventured out into game stores uh, this like past weekend. Oh yeah, and, yeah. He said it wasn't as cool as uh, having us around, but you know. But one thing that he did do is he went to multiple stores. Yeah. And tried to get a sense of the players and the people that hang out there. Mm-hmm. Because absolutely, every there's a bunch of different kinds of game store. Yeah, and there's a bunch of different kinds of players. There's I think in most towns, if there are two game stores, there's the mm-hmm. really competitive game store yeah. for Magic, and then there's like the more chill game store. Right. Right. And it's finding where you like fit the best. Or right. like, you know, in his in his case, the reason he ended up going to the game store we were at, which was more competitive, was mm-hmm. because like he had a good interaction with uh, a few people, like myself and probably you and Cameron. Right. Yeah. And he was like, Oh, these people are okay. Right. Now yeah, granted actual humans instead of slobs. Yeah. His <laughs> his his first interaction with someone was he asked someone, So man, what do you do? And the player responded to him straight faced, I sell drugs. <laughs> and he was like yeah, I, I can guess who that was. Yeah. And he was like, uh, am I in the right place right now? <laughs> and then like he ran in this in but it definitely, I think, takes like going to 
you know, if you have the option of like two or three stores in your area, go to those stores and see like what it's about. Yeah. Like, I mean, after you've looked up and seen what's in your area, there's a whole bunch of different ways you can reach out, especially through COVID. And when everything was locked down, a lot of game stores tried to build like online communities, whether it was on social media or discord or whatever. Um, So that's kind of where like the regular players went to. Um, I think most local game stores have a discord channel at this point where they've been organizing either spell table events or arena events for their players. Um, most local game stores have some sort of, you know, Facebook page for their like event calendar and like even just picking up the phone and calling them different stores are run in different ways. Some stores are just open, like their tables are open. You can come in whenever you want and sit down. Um, some stores charge for table space. Typically, I don't want to, you know, talk bad about stores, especially since, you know, there's a whole bunch of stores I haven't been to, so I don't know if they're good stores or not. But typically, stores that charge for table space aren't great. Some stores still have their play areas closed. Uh, they have not opened them back up yet. I know I had reached out to a bunch of game stores uh, for the podcast. And one of the big ones, I was really surprised to find out that they were still off limits to in-store gaming. It was uh, Atomic Empire, I think, was oh, still, wow. yeah, they completely, like, no tables. They're just closed. So I thought that was kind of odd. Um, some stores have occupancy limits because of COVID, um, where they'll, you know, they'll let people come in and play, but, like, you know, only one group per table and, like, every other table or whatever. And some stores have time limits where, you know, if you come in to play a game, you're, you're allowed to play a game, but then you got to make room for, for the next person. Um, and also there's a, you know, we've said it a bunch of times, you know, over the course of the last year and a half or so, but there's a lot of game stores that didn't make it. So maybe they haven't been updated on the wizard's website and they're still listed there, but they don't exist. Or maybe you remember them and are looking to go back, but they're not around anymore. So it's it's kind of a good idea just to reach out and uh, either stop by or just pick up the phone and call and make sure that they're still there. Wizards uh, Locator, I know when um, my wife was looking for residencies, I would mm-hmm. kill time by just driving around the town to like go to different magic stores. Yeah. Uh, I was scouting up the town, I swear. Uh, but... <laughs> There was more than one occasion where I would, like, just put it into Locator and, like, just paste it into, like, Google Maps, and there'd be nothing there. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, cool. And that wasn't, like, you know, after a global pandemic when no one could visit. So, yeah, definitely, right. like, just check to make sure they're there. Yep. So. And then, like you mentioned, you know, actually going there and scouting it out, it means a lot to like just show up and like maybe introduce yourself, get a feel for what kind of store it is. Maybe meet some of the employees, just kind of make sure that the store is a good fit for you. Like Brian said, there's kind of two competitive levels where like one store might be like all, you know, kitchen table EDH and another store is going to be like all tournament grinders. So kind of get a feel for like what kind of events are getting played at the store. And also there's, like within that, there's a couple different like um, business models of game store. Um, some game stores are run more like 
like a commercial enterprise where it's like store first and then game second. And some stores are more like clubhouse feeling where it's more game first, store second. Um, and there's pros and cons to each of those, but make sure like whatever store that you're going to, you should feel comfortable in. That's one of the reasons that I really like our game store. Like you're welcome there whenever it doesn't matter if you're playing a game or if you just want to hang out and chat for, you know, 20 minutes, half an hour, or like the door's always open. You're always welcomed. It's very much a family. You know what I mean? Yeah. So going back to, you know, the competitive and fun store. So mm-hmm. back when there were two game stores in Myrtle Beach, I know there's one up in North Myrtle Beach, but this is so far away. Yeah. It's might as well be on <laughs> so the moon. Far. It's might as well be on the moon, right? <laughs> So when there were two stores, whenever there'd be a tournament at the other store, like the people from our store would go and it was like, oh, I guess like the eight of us are going to be the top eight today. Cool. Yep. <laughs> and that was just how it was. Yeah. Like, you know, I'd be like, oh, like, oh, like six of us showed up. I guess six of us are going to like uh, be in the top eight. Awesome. And yep. it was just like, you know, but that's the, how it was. Yeah, that was how it was. But like the people that played a lot of that game store for the most part were, you know, they weren't bad players, but they just were more casual. Right. right. And it wasn't, you know, it was something where like we, we, we like all were focused in on like, what is the best deck? What is the, right. the newest like way to attack a strategy? And the best sideboard plan. Yeah. And they, that was not what they were about. Mm-hmm. So like, and like, if you're, you know, if that's more your style, like go there, have fun. Right. Yeah. Like, there might not be a pro tour for you to grind onto. So like, just go have fun. Right. Also, like, don't be afraid to go to the competitive store either. Like that, that's how you become a better player is by playing against better people. So if your goal is to get better at the game, don't let, you know, a really competitive store scare you off. It doesn't mean that people are mean just because they want to, you know, they want to do well and win. And that's how, that's how you learn and grow as a better player when somebody like holds you accountable for your missed triggers instead of saying, Oh no, it's fine. You know, whatever. Like that's how, that's how you know not to miss your triggers in the future. Like you remember that stuff and say, Oh yeah, I need to do this. You become a better player. You get better. Yeah. So, you know, don't, it's just finding where you're comfortable. And like you said, like, you know, sometimes it's like, well, you know, this wasn't as much fun, but I think I got better. And if that's, what's important to you, then like, that's what you should prioritize. It just kind of depends. But definitely, yep. like, go, like, you know, go to an FNM at one store. And if you're like, eh, that was okay. And you have another store yep. to go to, go to another one and be like, oh, this was way worse. I'll go back to the first <laughs> one. <laughs> Absolutely. Check them out. There's yeah. there's no uh, no shame in, like, visiting multiple stores. Yeah. Oh, and then this, this next one. Yes, this last one. For the <laughs> love of God, show up on time. So last weekend, I was... No, not last weekend, the weekend before. I was trying to get a deck together to go play at a win a box tournament for Modern Horizons 2. So on Friday night, I went down to the game store to see if I could scrounge up some Modern Horizons 2 cards. And I showed up at quarter to eight after getting my hair cut. Now, FNM starts at seven. Okay. I showed up at quarter to eight and nobody had signed up yet. So I asked if... I asked if anybody was playing an FNM and as I was asking, everybody showed up and started signing up at quarter to eight. 
please show up on time. Yeah. So, um, was it football coach? I think it was. I think it was Tom Coughlin. You say on time is five minutes early. Yeah, like minimum. If it starts at seven, be there at like six forty-five, or like yeah. at least five till, so you can like sign up, give your money, give them right. time to like account for you, put you like put yourself in the system with like the companion app or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just make sure that like you know you're not running in exactly at seven, or God forbid. 45 minutes after seven because like you might not have anything going on but like i don't know the handoff with the baby usually happens at like seven or eight in the morning on the weekends where like i get up and take him for like an hour or two so my wife can go back to sleep like i can't be i can't be staying out till like one in the morning because like you rolled in you know uh an hour an hour late yeah and like unfortunately this happened in the before times, right? Like sometimes yeah. like that one late person can hold a whole draft or tournament hostage because, Oh man, we need an eighth for this draft. Especially for draft. Um, like it's one thing if you're, you know, playing in a constructed format and like you got somebody that can take a buy first round or you just give somebody the loss first round. But if you're drafting, like you can't, just throw somebody into a tournament after it started. Like if the draft's done, they don't have a deck. Yeah. So yeah, just be on time. Be considerate. Yes. Please be on time or early. Be early. early. Be early. Be a few minutes early. So what do we need or what do you need when you go to the game store? So the first thing is your phone because everything's run on the app now. Um, this is kind of weird. So if you're, you know, somebody that had played in the past, this is going to take a little bit of getting used to. If you're somebody that hasn't played in paper in the past, then it's just something that you'll need to learn. Uh, but it is a little bit different than it used to be. You need your phone with the companion app on it and your arena login because your arena login is also your Wizards of the Coast account. And that's what you use for the companion app. Because you're going to be using the companion app all night, make sure your phone is charged. The companion app also has a life counter built into it that you can use. I don't know like what the legalities of that are. Um, I don't know if you're allowed. I, I would not think that you're allowed to use your phone for like competitive REL situations, but there is a life counter in the companion app. Uh, but that'll do all your pairings. So when, like, once you sign up for the event in your game store, uh, they will give you. I forget if it's a six or an eight-digit code, and you punch it into your companion app, and it'll like it'll tell you when pairings are ready. It'll give you um, standings after every round, and that's how you report. So you'll find your like a- after your round, it'll pop up, and you'll. I forget if there's a thing that says report you got to click or if it just pops up, but it'll be like, you know, if you won two and your opponent won one, you'll click up twice for you and up once for your opponent and hit submit. And that's how you report your, uh, your results for the round. So you've done this. Do both players report? So they have to match. Um, I don't believe that's the case. So just one person out of the match reports. I think one person out of the match has to report. 
I would suggest that you check because like until the next round is paired, they can change it on the back end. Okay. Like um, there is still an interface that the game store sees. Um, it's not event reporter anymore. It's whatever this is called, but there is still something that the game store runs. So they, they do have the ability to um, go in and, you know, change things that are wrong. One thing that I don't know if it matters for a bunch of our listeners, but I'm going to tell you right now and before I forget is that there is no way to drop somebody after a round starts oh. or, or after they've reported. Like if you don't drop at the time that you report your results for that round, you are playing the next round. Okay. So, so that is, that is kind of important. Like if you're, if you're, you know, having a bad night and you haven't won a game all night and you want to leave, make sure that you click the drop from tournament button. Otherwise you're going to mess up the tournament for your opponent next round. Gotcha. You need to bring a deck. When we kind go. of, kind of. Yeah. Um, um, just be prepared for whatever the event is. We're going to do like a whole nother segment on what the different formats are and talking about them. We'll probably touch on them next week and then go a little bit more in depth later on, but like make sure you know what format's getting played, whatever night you plan on playing. If you show up to a modern event with your standard deck, I'm going to guess that you're not going to have any fun because you're just going to get beat up on. And your opponent's probably not going to have any fun because they're just beating up on you. Yeah. And like, same goes if you show up to like a standard event with you know, your 90 card kitchen table, anything goes deck. That's going to be really awkward when you start playing cards that like aren't legal in the format. Yeah. And somebody has got to explain to you why you, you know, spent $5 on an entry fee and now can't play anymore. Yeah. So also, you know, if you have the ability, if you're going to like an F and M for like, you know, pioneer, bring a standard deck. If you have that ability, just in case, like, everyone who showed up, not everyone had a Pioneer deck. Like, I want right. to play Constructed. I only have a standard deck. Like, okay, well, we all also brought a standard deck so we can play a standard tournament. Yeah. I usually try and have, you know, at least two or three different formats with me. Just be, like, mindful if you have the ability to, like, bring a deck for another popular format. Yeah. Right? Like, I'm not expecting everyone to have, like, Oh, I brought my modern and my legacy and my vintage deck. It's like, no, 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 no. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah. None of those things are going to happen tonight. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like you could like bring like, you know, like, Oh, Hey, I have my standard and I have my uh, modern deck or I have like a popper deck or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like just, if you have the ability to bring an extra deck do, cause it'll increase your odds of the tournament happening. Absolutely. Another thing is, don't be afraid to put yourself a little bit out there. Hopefully these are people that you're going to be playing with again in the future. And as long as you're, you know, a reasonable human being, most magic players just want to play magic. And a lot of magic players that have been playing for a little while probably have an extra deck or two. So if you show up to, you know, modern night on accident and only have your standard deck with you instead of, 
not having fun by running your standard deck and head first into a bunch of modern decks. See if somebody has like elves or burn or boggles or something that, you know, they keep built in their, in their backpack, but don't really ever play. I know for a long time I kept modern elves just built and I used to play that deck all the time, even playing that deck all the time. I bet you that deck has been played by other people more times than I've played it. Yeah. You know, people won't mind letting you borrow a deck, right? Yeah. So, so yeah, just, just to make a tournament happen. So don't be afraid to ask. Next up. Yeah. You should probably have some sleeves. Mm-hmm. It's going to make shuffling your cards easier. It is. Um, It's going to make sure that you don't nick and beat up your cards. Because, yeah. as we've mentioned, card prices are crazy. You don't want to just, like, have your cards uh, get all beat up for, like, no reason. Yeah, one of the reasons to play in paper is that you like maintain the ability to cash out at some point. Maybe it's not everything you put in. Maybe you make some money, but like the ability to cash out and not lose your entire investment is something that's kind of unique to magic. You don't really get it everywhere. So you want to be able to protect your investment. Also, if you're playing limited, whether it's sealed or draft, you're probably going to want sleeves. The land station lands, like the ones that are free for you know whoever to grab to build a deck with, are kind of notoriously beat up. And if you don't have sleeves to make the backs of all your cards look the same, a lot of times you can pick out you know if there's a land on top of your deck or not just because they're war a lot more than the rest of the cards in your deck. Yeah. Make sure you give them back when you're done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that too. That's not not the sleeves, the land, the land station lands. The lands, yeah, yeah. If you're if you're a classy limited player, you'll have a box that has the the lands you want to use plus sleeves <laughs> in it. I still yeah. have that box. I haven't done a draft in 18 months, like almost yeah. exactly, and uh, or 14 months, something yep. like that. Like you can just have those with you. And just like, I have a box that's just like, oh, these are the sleeves I use for, for limited. Yeah. A lot of people put, throw some tokens in there too. Um, just some like generically used tokens or tokens that are, you know, common in whatever limited environment you're playing. Yeah. Whenever I used to like, whatever, like open boxes, I would just take all the tokens and put them in my box. Yeah. In my, in my, in my limited box and be like, okay, these are, these are all the tokens. Yep. Uh, all right. You should probably have a play mat. Yes. Uh, uh, game store people are sometimes uh, messy, and so <laughs> sometimes you, <laughs> again, like there are different levels of game store. There are some game stores yeah. that like are very clean and like would whack you with a ruler if you tried to mm-hmm. eat on their table, right? And then there's some game stores where like they have like you know three like pizza boxes like just strewn across the table and then you like push them away and like play your match. Yeah. Right? They're upside down. There's like yeah. random pizza There's on the table. There's cheese and grease and you're just like, uh, so yeah. like make sure you have a play mat to like put your cards on and make handling them easier. And again, it'll help protect them. Yep. You can often borrow one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like your, some stores let you like lo- loan out abandoned play mats. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times people like forget a playmat in a store and it'll just kind of get thrown in a corner and available for use. Say, we, you and I have given a ton of playmats away. I think I still have a huge stack of them. 
I still have a huge stack of them. Like anybody that's been playing for kind of any amount of time, reasonably competitively, has accumulated quite a few play mats from basically every event that you go to. Yeah. And like, there's no way I could use all of the play mats that I have. So I usually keep a couple in my car. If I come across a new player that doesn't have one, I at the very least have one you can borrow. If not one, you can probably just have. My first so play just, mat came from Cameron. Yeah, there you go. Dice to keep track of counters and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're super old, remember the the glass pebbles? I do. Glass beads, yeah. Yeah, I had some of those. Yeah, yeah that was the thing back in the day. But now we make just... a comeback for the dungeon cards. Yeah, now we're just now we just use dice. Uh, D20 spin down kind of thing to track life. Maybe they're not ideal, but... Yeah, like I said, there's a life tracker in the campaign... Ooh, excuse me. There's a life tracker in the companion app now, so you can use that um, in all of the pre-release kits and the um, bundles. There's also a spin down life counter if you're going to play competitively it's a good habit to get into of keeping track of your life on paper instead that's how people are expected to do it at comp rel and there are certain things that have to be tracked on paper like energy you're not allowed to keep track of on a die you have to keep track on paper so if you do that anyway you don't really have to like devote mental power to that when you're in a tournament to do it. So it's a good habit to get into. Are you also supposed to track like mana, like in your pool on paper now? I mean, if you're floating mana, maybe, but not like to just cast a spell. I don't. Yeah. Like if you're floating mana, like, you know, if you're like storming off or like you cast a bunch of rituals. Yeah. Maybe. I don't, I don't know if that's actually a rule, but maybe. Yeah. All right. And then we already mentioned you should have tokens. Yeah. Right. And if you don't have the token, like as long as you have something you and op- your opponent can agree on, but it's just easier to have the token so there's no ambiguity on the board. Yeah. Like, and th- this is more for like this section I meant more for the constructed players than the limited players. Yeah. Um, because it's pretty easy for limited players to like look at the table after you're done drafting and pick up, you know, whatever two tokens your deck makes. But if you're playing standard or modern where you've got like a whole bunch of different sets worth of tokens and some of them are weird tokens, you should try and have them with you if possible, especially for the weirder stuff. Like I remember, I think it was Eldritch Moon. I was playing a Delirium deck with Ishkana and I didn't have any of the one, two spiders with reach. And, you know, despite me and my opponent agree. I remember this vividly, despite me and my opponent agreeing on, you know, what it was going to represent my one, two spider with reach. My opponent forgot that it was a one, two spider with reach instead of just a one, one. And it cost them the game. Mm. And like, that's, that's an awkward conversation to have with somebody like even, you know, me being on the good end of it. Like it was just an awkward, I felt bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I remember so, uh, just try and have the tokens with you. It's it'll save a lot of a uh, lot of grief in the long run. I remember when the Merit Lage token was like fifty bucks. We were at a legacy tournament and a guy was playing. I think he was playing Depths or like uh, Green White or something. And yeah. he just had a piece of paper that he just wrote twenty twenty flying indestructible. He had ripped parts off of it to like track <laughs> other things. It just this gnarled piece of paper that was like his token. Yeah, it's like uh I mean, it worked, but yeah, 
you don't yeah. want your you don't want you and your opponent to forget you know what the what the two pennies are right on on the table or whatever or the skittles or whatever yeah oh when the they're head, yeah when they're when their heads up they're untapped when it's yeah. tails up they're tapped it's like oh God. Do you know how hard it is to try and tap a D6 with the one showing? <laughs> like, impossible, yes. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, just, you know, uh, make sure that it's clear to everyone. Yeah. So, those are all the things, basically, you should have in your bag yeah. when, you, when you go. You should also have some sort of bag, backpack, something. Don't just, like, yeah. come in with, like your shirt in your teeth with like a bunch of stuff piled up in the little pocket that it makes. Her, you get, you her, got a, a stick with your, your flannel shirt tied to the end of it with a deck box and a, a D six in it. A bindle, a bindle bag. Is that what it's called? I didn't know there was a name for it. Yeah. It's a bindle bag. I'm pretty sure. Okay. Well, there you go. Learn something every day. Spent some time running the rails. You know, you know how it is. Uh, yeah. So a bindle. Yeah. Sorry. It is just a bindle. Oh, okay. Is the bag or sack carried stereotypically by the subculture of hobos? Yeah. A bindle stiff is another name. There you go. So it's a bindle. There you go. So there you go. I, I did not know that. Yeah. My brother said it once, and like I was like, oh, okay. That's, <laughs> that's, that's what that is. Gotcha. I like it. I dig yeah. it. Yeah. So, yeah. You d- I mean, but yeah, if you want to like hobo bindle it up, like cool. Go nuts. <laughs> but like... A backpack or a bag or just something. something. Uh, so so it's you're a little like organized. You don't mm-hmm. want to be like LSV. You're not you're not at that clot where he shows up like no play mat, borrows a pen and paper from his opponent <laughs> at the pro every tour. Every round. Every round at the pro tour because he just doesn't ever bring it with him. Yeah. You you don't have that kind of clout. No. <laughs> yeah. Who are you People again? Cripping over each other to give LSV a pad and a piece of paper. Yeah. Oh, he touched my pen. It's like, calm down. <laughs> deep breaths, deep breaths. Yeah, so that's all the stuff you need when you show up for your F&M and yeah, how to and, find it. Yep, how to find it, how to scout out a store. Yeah. Also, like going back to scouting a store, don't be afraid to like talk to people. Like yeah. You, you are going to hit some weirdos, but you'll hit some decent people as well. I hope so. Yeah, go, going back to Anthony, he was like, oh, he's like, I don't know how you did it. Like, you were chatting up Jim Davis. You talked to Ben Stark. And me, I, I couldn't even talk to some high school kids. <laughs> I'm like, well, I, I don't know. Like, for those two people were also both old dudes like me. Like, I don't know what me and like a high school kid like have in common. So how about right. them TikToks? Like, what am I supposed to do? It's probably easier for me to talk to Ben Stark than it is for me to talk to like anybody that's in high school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about them TikToks? How do those Tide Pods taste? Like, I don't know. <laughs> like, I... Are you kids still eating them things? Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what is it? What is a good soda pairing with a Tide Pod? Um, <laughs> it strikes me as more of a, you want, like, something citrusy. Like, I... Yeah, Sprite. Yeah, you want a Sprite or a Mountain Dew? Is that where you want to go? A squirt. Uh, a squirt. Um, <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want any browns. No, 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 no. Like... <laughs> That'll stain when you vomit. Uh, so you need <laughs> no cola, no cola. But would it? Because you're you're vomiting detergent, so it could just the stain may never set. Oh, there, we go. there you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we've we've cracked the case. Um, I guess it depends what kind of detergent you're ingesting. 
Yeah, so there we go. So if you have any suggestions on tracking down a store or, you know, you're one of our loyal listeners, uh, Dieter, who works at a store uh, <laughs> and have some insights to provide, you can tweet at us at Casual Tripod. Absolutely. I uh, actually reached out to Dieter before doing this episode and I forget which section he told me. Oh, it's not in this episode. It's in the next episode. Okay. He gave me some things to look out for. So they're okay. in the next episode. But if you have anything else that you want to hit us up with, you can find us on Facebook at Casual Tryhard MTG, or you can email us, show at casualtryhardmtg.com. Uh, don't forget to use our Discord. There's a link in the description. There's a link on our social media. If you want to you know, ask any questions or tell us about your game store, maybe how you, how you came to find your game store, if it's a cool story, uh, hit us up, let us know. Uh, also, don't forget about our TCG Player affiliate link. If you're looking to pick up any singles, we would really appreciate it. And check out our uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash casualtryhardmtg. Like I said, our kind of normal topics, we're going to cut pretty short this summer um, because we have a lot of this learn-to-play stuff to get through. So some of that stuff is going to get pushed to our pre-show. So if you want access to that stuff, unfortunately, you're going to have to throw in a couple bucks for Patreon to get access to it. Sorry. Yeah, hey, man. Baby. Baby. Roofs. <laughs> yeah, tell me about it, man. Holy moly. You did a roof. I'm doing a roof like roofs, man. Yeah, they're gotta, expensive. Got to keep these cards dry. That's right. So. All right. Anything else? No, I think that's a show. Did we say Discord? One more time? I did say Discord. Yeah, awesome. there's, check out our Discord. All Links right. in the description. There we go. And with that, we'll catch you at FNM. We'll catch you at FNM. <laughs>